0: Hi, my name is Rick Bloodworth. This is the Common Sense Christian Channel, and today we want to talk about our kids and specifically our school-aged kids and some of the things that perhaps we can do to give them a better chance at life, uh, to be able to have an education that's a little bit more full and a little bit more effective. And so we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, I might start at the very beginning by saying this, if you find the principles and some of the things that we talk about today as being worthwhile, if you would like this video, if you'd subscribe to it, if you like these types of videos, if you'd share it with others, if you think the information that's contained within it would be beneficial. Beneficial to them. Well, all these things will help get this video before more people. And also, if you'll comment on it, that certainly hits the YouTube algorithm to where it'll put it before more people as well. Whether you agree or disagree, by the way, on any of my videos, I always enjoy getting your comments, because if I'm wrong, I really want to know that I'm wrong. And if you have a question about something I've said or if I've misspoken in some way, it gives me an opportunity to correct that also. So and if you support what I've said or agree with what I said, well, that's encouraging to me, too. So please do those things. As I say. It will help the YouTube channel to grow. It'll help this particular video to get around more. And the topic that we're going to be talking about today, I believe, is absolutely critical because we are going to be talking about our children. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Well, the idea is there is a way to train children that is beneficial for, for them that will stick with them for a lifetime. I think it's probably been a little over 20 years ago that I had a couple of the the coaches, high school basketball coaches, came to me, and they asked me if I would start a program called PIPs. And, And essentially what it was, was it was just a program that taught little kids how to handle the ball, starting in kindergarten and going through sixth grade. And so we started doing that, and we really worked on ball handling skills, and they got pretty good at being able to dribble without losing the ball. We gave them some very foundational things, and we did that probably for about 20 years until COVID hit, and then we kind of got away from that particular program. But for about 20 years, when you watched our junior high and high school kids, you noticed that they had the fundamentals down really well. They were able to handle the ball well. They were able to dribble without traveling. They were able to pass the ball to where it needed to go. And so the idea that these coaches had and the idea that the PIPs organization had was to teach them the fundamentals And they would stay with them through their basketball career. Now, we know basketball is just a child's game for children, but it's still fun to play. And the better you are at the fundamentals, the better you play it. And we had for quite a number of years in this little community of Happy Texas, some really good basketball teams, not so much because I coached them, but because they learned some fundamentals. And then they had some excellent coaches along with some great parents and some wonderful natural talent, which doesn't hurt at all if you're going to have success. Well, when we stopped doing that, we've noticed in in recent years that the fundamentals have also started to decline as they've gotten a little bit older. And, And so we've seen both the benefit and the detriment. One, the benefit from teaching fundamentals, and the other, the detriment from ceasing to teach those fundamentals. Well, I believe this is what's happened to our school systems in America. Through the years, we we became very concerned that there might be too much of a religious slant to our public education. And so they started removing God from the public education sphere. Maybe some of the concerns were good, but... I think more than anything, this was a group of people who really didn't like religion. They didn't like to be bound by the religious standards that are contained within Scripture. And since they didn't want to be bound by it, they didn't want anybody to be bound by it. There's a man by John Dewey. He's actually called, among some circles, the, the father of public schools or American education. And John Dewey had a theory or a plan And what he wanted to do, let me read this so that I can get this right. He wanted to make sure that the supernatural beliefs were swept into the dustbin of history. And he believed that science was the broom with which that could be done. In other words, he thought religion was unscientific, and so he thought they should be getting rid of religion from the schools. Well, as the years went by from the time that Dewey started to implement this and the intellectuals surrounding Dewey who agreed with this started to implement this, there became more and more of an antagonism towards anything religious within the schools, and so lawsuits started happening. In 1947, a case, Emerson versus the Board of Education, came before the Supreme Court, and what was happening, they were busing kids during school hours with school buses to receive religious instruction, and while it was legal for kids to go off campus during school hours, They ruled it unconstitutional to use any school resources in that. And so this was the first of many rulings that started at this point. In 1948, McCollum versus the Board of Education, it wanted to to stop the practice of bringing in religious teachers onto the school campus to teach a religious class during school hours. And so this was done by the Supreme Court in 1948. And then in 1962, perhaps the most famous or infamous of the Supreme Court rulings, Engel versus Vitale, where they ruled that school prayer uh, was unconstitutional. In 1963, Abington School District versus Schimp. They ruled that the prompting of the reading of the Bible by teachers for their students was unconstitutional. And so slowly, bit by bit, God and his word were removed from the schools to where now we have some pretty significant problems. Well, think about this timeline starting in 1947 and going through 19. 63 and then notice that it wasn't too long after that that in America especially starting with high school students or high school dropouts or those who had just gotten out of high school we had a sexual revolution we had a drug revolution revolution. Anybody that grew up during that time knows that this was quite prominent. And what it was, was it was really a rejection of social mores. It was a rejection of any kind of standards from the older generation. And so they started this free drug and free sex movement. It got to the point that by 1973, we were starting to have trouble with unwanted babies among this group of people. And so they sued and won for the right to abort their children. And so they were able to practice some of these activities, they thought, without having the penalty, as one of our prominent presidents once said, of having a baby. And so instead of stopping the the immoral activity, what they did was they tried to remove the penalty for it, but it really didn't remove the penalty for it, did it? You look at all the different problems that we have in our society right now, and and you have to admit that our drug problem is out of hand right now. Our immorality has gotten to the point where people, are it seems, are inventing new ways to be immoral with sex. And and so this experiment of removing God from the schools, removing God from our culture, uh, hasn't really seemed to work very well. Well, what can we do about it? And again, it goes back to this idea of training up a child in the way they should go. If we can teach our children that there are standards, and by the way, parents, this is your job first and foremost. After your part, it becomes the church's responsibility to make sure there are good, solid Bible classes being taught and Bible standards being taught at the church. But we also need this opportunity with those who don't have any religious background at all, who are not getting any religious education. Their parents don't believe in God, or they do, but they don't teach them about God, and they don't go to church, they don't worship, they don't go to the Bible classes. And so we're raising a society that is more and more godless. And we're seeing the penalty for that right now. Well, this particular strategy that I want to talk to you about today is one that is not only legal and constitutional, but they're finding it to be quite effective. And it's been around for a long time. It's called Released Time. And what it does is it allows our public school kids to be released from school during school hours and taken to an off-site location to be taught the Bible for one hour a week. And those schools that have been getting involved with this have found tremendous results. There's something along the lines of 350,000 kids in America right now that are taking part in some sort of time-released program that does just this. Over 500 school districts are involved with this. And one of the things that they are finding is that by teaching the kids standards from the Word of God, principles like don't lie and don't steal and be moral and chaste in your behavior. They're finding that these things are going a long way to restoring the discipline that they have been losing through the years in the public schools. Well, why is that? Well, when a child believes that there is a standard that is unchangeable and they believe that that standard is from an authority that is absolute, God and that they believe that there is reward for good behavior and punishment for bad behavior, will kids start to become self-policing. And they start to have a little bit of pride in their character and in their conduct, and it has a way of rippling out to others as well. And the schools that are implementing these programs have been noticing a a reduction in discipline problems. They've been noticing a reduction as they get into the upper grades of problems like drug and alcohol abuse and the widespread uh, sexual immorality problems that, that come along. They're finding a reduction in these problems. And so the school systems, many of, of those who are taking part in this release time have have tried to go ahead and, and bring it on up into the junior high and high school and have done that with very good success through the years. Well, why don't we hear about it more? If 350,000 kids in America are taking part in over 500 school districts, why don't we hear about it? And part of it is so many people are so afraid that this might be illegal or, or unconstitutional, um, they just don't want to hear about it. And so it's not talked about much. Well, there's a man by the name of Joel Penton, who was very interested in getting this release time program started in in his hometown. And they found such success with it. And other people started asking him, can you help us do this? And so he wrote a book called During School Hours, but it describes their institution is called timewise and and what timewise does is it assists schools in getting a release time program. It assists them with any legal questions that they might have. It assists them in getting liability insurance for the time that they're off of campus. It assists them in doing background checks for those who are going to be involved in teaching the kids. And it gives them even a curriculum if they would like it either to to go by or to use as an outline for the Bible classes that they're going to teach. And so this LifeWise has turned out to be something that a lot of schools are starting to take part in, and a lot of schools are finding really good results. It's a brand new program, but it's something that is starting to really kind of spread, and with very good reason, because it's having very good results. Well, maybe this would also be a good time to explain the conditions that will make it legal and that will make it constitutional. First of all, the reason it's constitutional, release time was tested in the Supreme Court in 1952. It was a, a case of Zorak versus Clausen, and the Supreme Court ruled in 1952 that it was, in fact, legal and constitutional to teach public school kids during public school hours as long as three conditions were met. And the three conditions are this. First of all, it had to be at an off-school campus, an off-school facility. It could not be done anywhere on the school campus. The second was that it had to be privately funded and included in that where no school resources could be used for this release time program. In other words, they couldn't use their buses to take them to, to the off-site location. They could not use their bus drivers to even drive a, a private bus. They couldn't print up uh, material uh, that would advertise the release time. They could pass it out if it was already printed up for them, but they couldn't use any school resources in doing so. And so the second one was it had to be privately funded, no school resources allowed. And the third, it had to be 100% voluntary. By that, they had to have parental permission for every student that went off campus to go to this Bible study for one hour a week. And so meeting these three requirements, being off school, not using any school resources, and having parental permission for the kids to take part in that, being completely voluntary, it met all three of the requirements in order to be constitutional and legal. And according to Joel Penton, as he was writing this book, he's not aware of any challenges that have been made to this since it was a Supreme Court ruling. And so they've got a situation that is turning out to be quite beneficial to the kids. And and when you think about it, Training up a child in the way he should go. It's like teaching a little boy or a little girl basketball fundamentals. Once they learn how to dribble the ball right and how to pass the ball right, they become a better basketball player. Well, once you teach a child not to lie and not to steal and not to be sexually immoral and not to be drunk and just on and on and on, and you're teaching these things from the Bible, unashamedly, by the way, looking at the Bible as you're teaching it, Well, you find really good results, and those who have taken part in it are finding that it's something that has been quite beneficial to their school district as a whole. And I haven't heard of any detriments to it as of yet. But again, if you're interested in that, I'll try and put a link to lifewise.org and you can get more information about that. And you can start seeing what it will take to get a release time program within your community. Now, as, as far as some of the responsibilities that we have, I want to point out some standards that God has always had. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, this particular situation is Moses. He's in the last month of his life, and God is having him give the Israelites instruction for how they're to live, and a very big part of that instruction is how they're to train their children. And so in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 Moses starts off by saying this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. One of the things that God was absolutely uh, firm on was that they were to raise their children to know him and to know what his standards were. That was to be impressed upon the kids. Just a few chapters back in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 7, God talked about the commandments that he was giving to them, and he's had Moses say this, "'What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord, our God, is near us whenever we pray? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today?' Well, this is something we need to return to. We need to return to an understanding that the the Bible and that the commandments contained within the Bible are something that are beneficial. They will make us great as a people if we will follow these standards, just like learning the fundamentals of a sport will have the potential to make you a great athlete in that particular sport. Well, teaching people the laws that God has established for them will make them a great people. Now, we know we're not under the old law anymore. We, we know we're not under the law of, of Moses. But we also know that once Jesus was nailed to the cross and the old law was nailed to the cross with him, that we were under a new covenant. And that new covenant is described within the New Testament. And within the New Testament, you're going to find all sorts of principles that were Old Testament principles that are now carried over into the New Testament, not because one was old and one was new, but because they are eternal principles. Don't lie. Don't steal. Honor your mother and father. Don't be sexually immoral. And there are so many commandments on that. There are so many things that if we could just realize will make our lives better, not worse. will actually make us a great people if we will do that, not because we're so great, but because the God we serve is so great. Well, that's going to change our lives. And if our lives are changed, it's going to change the lives of our family. And if our family's lives are changed, that's going to change the community and the nation. And I believe that everybody would agree we need some changes about now. It's going to begin, I'm convinced, with our children. And so, as he continued in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And then continuing with this series of speeches that Moses gives in Deuteronomy 11 verse 16, Be careful or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down before them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he'll shut the heavens down so that it will not rain and the ground will not yield uh, produce. You'll soon perish from the good land that the Lord has given you. Well, we may not think that we're serving idols today, but you look at some of the things that we've gone over to the radical environmentalism which seems to be a religion in and to, of itself. You see these these uh, wild speculations about what's right and wrong with sex and what's normal and not normal as far as the way we conduct ourselves. And and you'll see that the people who have these beliefs that we should be able to do anything we want at any time, uh, it's causing a problem. They, They preach it with religious conviction and religious fervor, but they're not having the results that you have when you have a law that is good. When we have a law that says don't steal, this benefits everyone. When we have a law that says don't lie, this benefits everyone. And these are the types of things we need to start teaching to our children. When our son was was in grade school in Wyoming, by the way, he went to a blue ribbon school. It was the cream of the crop there, they thought. And that's why the state of Wyoming had given them a blue ribbon. One day, our son, probably second or third grade, came home and he asked his mom, would it be okay to kill somebody if they damaged a rainforest or if they killed an endangered species and and my wife asked him what are they teaching you at school and and of course she took that opportunity to tell him that we don't want to damage any part of god's nature or, or kill an endangered species but that man is more valuable than a tree or an animal and we need to keep that perspective Uh, in its proper place. Well, he had been uh, looking at something uh, that they'd been teaching him. They had a new social justice type of teaching that was going through the schools. And I don't know that they called it social justice at that time, but it really was a wave of almost religious fervor on the environment. And again, I don't know any good Christian that's opposed to maintaining the environment but we're not going to worship it. We're not going to bow down to it. And we're having problems with that. So if you think that we don't have problems with idol worship today, just open your eyes and look around. But then Moses goes on to say this, talking about God's word, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads and teach them to your children talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord God swore to give to your forefathers. The idea is when we recognize that God has standards and we start living by those standards, our life gets really good for two reasons. One, his way is the very best way to live. But two, he is going to be actively involved in blessing us for keeping his standards. We need to be teaching this to our children. We don't need to be teaching them an I'm okay, you're okay type of philosophy where any type of thing that anybody wants to do is okay because there's way too many things that are self-destructive and destructive towards others that we are starting to introduce into society that are creating a great deal of difficulties. And then finally, I want to read from, from Matthew chapter 18, and these are the words of Christ. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. Jesus is pointing out that we have an obligation to train our children right. If we'll train our children in God's ways, if we'll train our children to love their neighbor as themselves, if we'll train them to love God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength, we're going to be raising happy children who are going to be good citizens, who are going to be good neighbors and who make other people happy. But I think if you're like me and you look around, you have to agree that somewhere along the line, The train has come off the rails. We've missed some very basic things about training up our children in the way they should go. And part of the reason is because of this nonsensical idea that God has no place within the public square. To be able to take our children for one hour a week off of campus and teach them from the Bible what God's standards are is going to have an incredible difference in their life and in the lives of those around them. And I believe it's something that is worth looking into and is worthy of the effort that it's gonna take to, to get involved with something like this and see if in fact it won't work, not only for your children, but for your school and for your community. Well, I hope all this has helped you. I hope it's given you something to think about. I have certainly by no means covered everything. Again, if you get this book during school hours, it will describe an awful lot. It will describe the legalities It will describe the way they go about setting up these schools, whether you use the LifeWise program or just a release time program of your own. You'll be able to get some ideas as to how it can be done in in a way that will help your children, your school, and your community. Well, appreciate you tuning in today. I hope these things have helped, and I pray that God will richly bless your efforts as you seek to serve him in the very best possible way.